Welcome to Man in the Making, episode 10, with former Monk and co-host Rajan Shankara. Thank you for joining me, Rajan. Thank you, Rokas. I'd like to begin by explaining my reason for wanting to do this episode. I have a friend who's going through a low point in their life. A lot of negative things have happened to them in a short period of time and has come to a point where suicidal thoughts are entering their mind. I'd like your advice on how I could help him in such a situation and how others can help people close to them who may be going through a similar experience. Okay. That's a very common thing, unfortunately, is that people, people go through such serious low points in their life beyond depression that eventually it becomes a good idea to take their own life. And if anyone is wondering, you know, why Rokas would be asking me that, a former monk, well, I actually wrote something about a bit of what I do and what I've come to learn uh, in this very topic. So I wanted to answer Rokas's question and concern both by reading this small portion of text and then explaining it um, or talking more about it in depth after. Being a philosopher for such a long time has helped me understand the world from another perspective. You would think my work involves a lot of love, appreciation, gratitude, and upliftment but that's actually not the case. Throughout the week, I work with people, both online and in person, that struggle to live another day. I wake up to emails from people asking how they are going to get over the loss of their child. In other words, people ask me why they should even wake up anymore. Some people are on the brink of ending it all, and they tell me about it. I've been hired by some people to make sure that they survive the week in what seems to be a world of hurt, pain, and suffering. And the interesting part about it all is that I agree. The world is suffering. More accurately, the world contains suffering. You will suffer. I will go through hardship. We will all be tested as to whether we can sustain living in an unbearable world. Why? Why would we go through this? As I've talked with people over the last few years about pain and trauma, I've come to learn that we have no choice in the matter. The dragon of chaos is going to approach. The predictable world around us is going to change and crumble. And the unknown, unpredictable, and anomaly-ridden future will present itself like some kind of ritualistic mating call. The world and all of its variety allows the combination of both disaster and promise to occur. No one is controlling it from the sky. There's no great mystery to God's will to experience that which has been thrown together. It's not random though, and that's what allows us to keep going. Deep down, we know there is some sense of divinity, of success, and some possibility of survival, and even thriving. There's something inside us that knows right after the chaos, right after the unpredictable comes the world of explored territory. We start to see again 
feel better again, sense that the world around us is becoming more manageable again. This is what keeps us alive because we are all heroes of our own story. We all share shared story. We all suffer, have suffered, or will suffer again. It's coming, it has come, or it has came. We are always each phase of the experiencer, the experience, and the experienced. Together, we share this common story, myth, and tale that keeps us from ending it all. It's the what if of our lives. It's the could be. I often ask my worst clients, those not sure if they will make it to tomorrow, to give me five minutes, then 10, then an hour. We slowly open up our vision and can accept a short future before a longer one. Give me a day, eventually turns into, I'll see you next week. We survive the burden of our existence by making ourselves the explorer of that which surrounds us. Facing the chaos, the dread, and the hurt makes us the hero because we have, we have to in order to succeed. In order to face the dread and unpredictable nature of tomorrow, we have to become brave, courageous, and strong. And then we can see that tomorrow wasn't so bad, and next week now seems possible. I've come to learn that our actions create who we are. We play the role of the hero by facing pain courageously, or we face it as broken and shattered individuals and let it eat us alive. Either way, the dragon of chaos remains, always engulfing itself, recreating life, exploration, and chaos, only for us to face it again. Knowing this, we can arm ourselves with knowledge, courage, and bravery face the knowable unknowable, and this time we can choose to win. Eventually we learn that we never did it for ourselves. We went through the pain of suffering, the burden of living, and faced the ever-repeating dragon of consciousness in order to one day look someone in the eyes and say, can you make it to tomorrow? So I wrote that after one of my two-hour therapy sessions with a suicidal client. And it's become obvious over the years that we all will go through a dark period. And the easy way out seems to, take our, seems to be to take our own lives. The point of living, though, is to stay alive and to face the burden of that living. So... There's no guarantee that ending your life will actually take away misery. But there is a sense of predictability if we endure. So the challenge with suicidal people is that enduring seems like forever. And there is possibly no end to our suffering. Our vision is like headlights on a car that can only see so far. So if you're riding in a, on a pitch black road, you know, in the middle of the night, your headlights are not going to be able to see your destination. You can only drive forward and get a few hundred more feet or whatever it is, more, more of vision. And the only way to get more vision is to keep going. 
and that's that's kind of the point of life is you just have to live it out and see how long you can endure for and there's no question as if we'll have to endure i i no longer believe that that's a question i don't think anyone escapes suffering the question becomes how much suffering can you take until something gets better and for a lot of people it doesn't right a lot of people don't make it out there are suicides there are people who um go on shooting sprees and then kill themselves Th those things exist and they're basically putting an end uh, a temporary end to the uh, suffering that they experienced and the darkness that they experienced but in every um ancient mythology and and every philosophical belief of creationism and um and afterlife that does not lead to goodness so it's a really tough situation when you have someone who's just not sure that they that they can wake up anymore or that they want to and that they have no purpose um you know how do i tell a mother who lost their child that you just have to keep going right and there's not there's not a whole lot you can do to prove to them in the immediate moment that there's a there's a way out because it doesn't matter even even if you know that there's a way out of someone's depression or someone's suicidal tendencies they're not going to believe you right right they don't care so you know a lot of times what i found the best thing to do is just to listen to them and for possibly the first time in their life someone is not responding to when when they're trying to talk or someone is not trying to doctor them and come up with a solution and shrink them someone is just listening so with uh the people that come to me with with those type of issues we just we just go for one session at a time you know can i see you tomorrow can i see you next week and eventually being someone who can listen to to someone else helps them put someone else in a place where they can they have a reason to go on because they have a story to tell so a suicidal person wants to end their story and someone who's depressed and suffering wants to end something right so what we need to do as friends and as therapists or especially uh, spiritual guides uh, now that 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 profession is increasing tenfold i'm sure every year we have to allow them to continue the story so that they reduce the burden just a little bit every time they tell the story because someone else says yeah i know exactly how that feels but what if they feel even more burdened when they tell someone about their story well they will i mean that's the idea like okay it doesn't it nothing is immediate so you don't you don't tell your story you don't you don't you don't speak out suffering 
or trauma and it goes away, you're enriching it, right? You're, you're putting breath of life into it and you're giving it form and you're, you're speaking it out into the world so that everyone can bear witness to it. And that's, that makes you extremely vulnerable, but that's what it takes to hear your own uh, solution. That's what it takes to kind of bring something out of your mind into this abstract, from this abstract world out into a world that's concrete. And when you start giving form to something, then we can all start to work with it and, and you can see it in another light. And so that's the point of approaching the dragon of chaos with a sword and trying to slay it the best you can. The point is you, you willingly go into that pit of despair with someone else and you, you, you bring it out together. When I said budding, I meant um, budding the people around you with what you're going through. What if that's how you feel? Um, if you do yes. say yeah. yeah, what you're going through, then you just yeah. feel like you're already budding and those around you and you don't right. want to do that. And, and, and I've heard that a lot, right? Because eventually people feel alone and they feel isolated because they're bringing other people down. And what I tell people and what I, what I believe is that they're, they're around the wrong people. So if someone cannot convince them that, they're free to speak their mind around them, then they pop, they probably don't believe it themselves. They probably actually don't want to hear it. But if your friend is going through a dark period and they feel like it's a burden to speak the, the, the story out loud, you have to convince them that that's not true, that that's actually just in their head and that it's not a burden. Now that's difficult for the friend. It's difficult for anyone who has to, be there for that because you're both deciding to go down into it and you're both deciding to relive what this person is suffering through. But I'm suggesting that it becomes a group karma. It becomes a, it becomes a, a burden that, that multiple people have to take on as a part of their, their friendship karma or as a part of, you know, it's obviously a part of my karma to hear people's sorrow and to listen to them it just it's just the way the universe is working out and it's it's a burden to family it, it's a burden to friends you have these people become isolated because everyone else drops off but the question is were those people friends in the first place you know is that family able to endure with a loved one for as long as that they're alive and they should be able to and if not then it's not just the person going through despair, right? It's, it's, it's a bit of an influence from other people. And that makes it even worse for the person who's going through the hard time because they're not able to shake things off that you normally can shake off. Does that make sense? Yeah. So if your friend is going through a hard time, they're going to try to isolate themselves, right? They're going to put the belief in their mind that, well, if I keep bothering Rokas about this, you know, eventually he's just going to drop off and I'm going to mess up his life. But, yeah. Um, and I told him that if the people around him really do care about him, then they will listen to what he has to say. Okay. Um, uh, that was the only advice I could think of giving him. 
and that doesn't always work, right? Like they'll sometimes you have to just sit there. So I'll give you an example. I used when I was in Hawaii, I used to work uh, occasionally with someone who was a cutter. Do you know what that is? Uh, like in kind of arms first, I mean. Yeah, yeah. So they would yeah. cut. Yeah, they would cut themselves. A form of self mutilation, and <clears throat> it was like there was nothing I could do to say, "Hey, don't do that," and, and there was nothing I could do or talk about. There was nothing we that that we could talk about in the moment, and we had such short time together, so we didn't say anything. But I didn't go away. See, I I persisted. And I didn't persist with my speech and, and say, you know, let's relive this together. I said, you know, do you, do you, do you want to just go for a walk? And that was it. And then all of a sudden, after a few sessions like that, that walk includes some minor conversation. And then that minor conversation triggers something and it starts to come out. And so sometimes, you know, you have to, you have to persist and, be there for someone and sometimes just being there for someone i found is liberation for that person in despair and it gives them another day and it's not always the case i wish it was some of the cases will be uh will end up in suicide and suicide's not going to just go away but there's only so much we can do and there's only so many steps we can take before committing someone into an institution. Um, and that's, that's also a possible, that's all, that's also an option. Um, and I know some people who have, who have self, uh, you know, admitted themselves, right. Self admitted, uh, because they felt a little crazy and, and like, they might hurt themselves or others and it takes a lot to kind of admit something like that and go through that so some people just do it on their own right they end their life by themselves so what we have to do is just make sure to be present and, and if that person rejects we have to persist and say no you know I care about you so I'm gonna bother you about it I'm gonna text you I'm gonna call you I'm gonna stop by I'm gonna knock on your door when I have free time see if you're there I'm going to walk with you after class, you know, and that may seem like a lot. It is a lot, but if you have the time and the energy, you just may save someone's life. Yeah. Now I know that's a lot. Um, and we haven't really, you know, we haven't really gotten there there yet before, um, you know, that topic, but that's a very real thing, especially with, people in your uh, age group, right? Yep. Why do you think that is? Um, I think part of it is potentially hormones still going through their teenage years. Um, but it seems like maybe not being able to find yourself and not having a fulfilling goal Mm-hmm. Um, that so you don't have a direction to go towards, um, and you end up being lost, which uh, could put you in that state. But of course, there are other things that can happen. As an example, like external factors such as 
death of loved ones. Those are some things that are uh-huh. completely different and can make you go into that state as well. Yeah, yeah, so absolute devastation from the loss of someone. Yeah, um, absolutely, right? It's it's a poison of of chemistry. It, it's a you, while you're going through the hormonal process of be getting older and growing up in a human body, you you become you become toxic with uh, with compounds in your body, and if you don't have outlets and, and things to do, uh, that, that energy that's supposed to be going outward into the world starts to turn inward on itself. And then you get manipulated by what you see in the news and things like that. And, 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 and some people get so out of, out of place and disillusioned from, you know, just from what they hear about the climate, you know, climate change, this, and, and it's unfortunate because that that person could be brilliant that person could in fact uh be a genius except you know no one has helped them bring it out of themselves and support that 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 brilliance and that's what the that's essentially why i talk about the the mythological dragon of chaos so much uh, you know thanks to jordan peterson who helped me understand that idea more it represents not only the world around us being suffering in the, in the Buddhist um, philosophy, it, re- it represents everything that's yet to come going through a filter of, of, of chaos. So understanding Eastern philosophy is a way to understand that things are going to get bad before they get better. Because they come into the world as suffering. Does, does that make sense right off the bat? Yeah. And I, I know before you mentioned that there are different teachings, I think, with Buddhism and I can't remember the other example you gave. In Hinduism. Hinduism and yeah. Buddhism have slightly uh, different uh, takes on suffering, but Buddhism uh, will, will proclaim that you know, life is suffering. And so that our goal is to transcend suffering. And, and bodhisattvas are enlightened ones who have done that for the sake of mankind. So Buddhism, Buddhism is very much a selfless act, right? Buddhist meditation is very selfless. You, you, you take on the burden of existence by, by sitting and being. And you help mankind. That's kind of the idea. That, Can you explain very, that some more? Well, that's that's very basic, but Buddhism is 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 almost an act of defiance against selflessness, uh, selfishness. So they, a, a Buddhist, will sit and meditate, or someone who follows Zen or Confucianism or the Tao will meditate as a way of, of relieving the burden of the world and relieving suffering for all people. Because every single person that becomes a bodhisattva, every single person that meditates and defies the natural world of suffering is, is becoming a savior almost is, is, is helping relieve the burden of existence by rejecting it momentarily. 
right? During that meditation, it's a, it's a way of selfish, uh, selflessly relieving everyone else's chaos. So Hinduism is, is the opposite. Hinduism is selfish meditation. And I, and I don't mean that pejoratively, meaning I don't mean that in a negative context. I mean that in if Buddhist is selfless and you're, you're meditating for the sake of everyone, in Hinduism, you meditate for the sake of yourself, your, your own progression as a, as a soul towards enlightenment. And that's what Hindu meditation is for. Now, the catch-22 is that they're both doing the same thing. Because in Hinduism, if you enlighten yourself and you are all beings, you simultaneously help the world. So in Buddhism, if you re reject desire and attachment and act defiantly against the world in meditation to save everyone, you naturally help yourself and everyone at the same time. So they're both actually going towards the same high-minded philosophy, except they have these uh, different, um, they have a bit of a different take on what they're doing. The, now, that, that's not necessarily a simple concept, and I'm not very good at, at breaking things down simply, but as I always say, does that make sense, Rokas? Uh, yeah, it did make sense. And I'd compare, I think, Hinduism to Stoicism because through Stoic teachings, it may seem like it's more selfish uh, in a way that it secludes you. Right. But really, it makes you stronger so then you can help others. Right, exactly. People, um, I, and you hear that a lot, you know, the exclusivity of spiritual practice and meditation, even becoming a monk. A lot of people thought I was being selfish, right? Because, oh, well, you know, you're going off to do your thing and leaving all of us here. What they don't see is that we're all connected. We're all interconnected in some way. And what the person is trying to do is better themselves and better the whole population at the same time, because the one is part of the population and the population is made up of individuals. So if, it, if you want to better the group, you need to start with the individual. And then if the more, the more individuals light up and become higher minded, then what happens to the group? right? The group becomes yep. higher minded, right? So that's, um, that can also be represented in political uh, diagrams where conservative people on the right seek to better the individual. And there is an actual belief in the divinity of the individual in conservatism. Um, and in, in, uh, in, in liberalist ideology, you you better the group and that the individual doesn't actually um, identify that way. They identify with the group and that's what's called identity politics. And, and by claiming and being part of a group, you now have a right to a certain set of rights, I guess you could say. You now have a, have a, a stake or a claim in, in rights. 
because you're part of this uh, group. And, and if, if you're a part of a group, it's probably a minority, et cetera, et cetera. So all of these things are kind of uh, a, a way to look at suffering. And I think, I think that's why my therapy, for example, with, with clients is beneficial because it's not a Western uh, psychiatric type of uh, uh, protocol, right? It, it goes into Eastern philosophy where, you know, I have someone tell me that they're suffering and I, I don't try to end their suffering. I don't, I don't say, well, that's not good. Let's try to get you out of that. It's like, okay, like, let's go into it together. How bad are we talking about? How much darkness is there in there, in, inside that brain of yours? And I get a flashlight and I go, I go mining inside their brain for where the philosophical breakdown exists and try to let them know that, you know, it's okay to feel like everything is suffering. You know, that just kind of makes you more of a Buddhist. So I think when people hear that, it's liberating. And so if, if any young person is listening to this when it's published and they're going through a dark period of time, I would say to you, that's okay. Like go through it. But my only request is to keep going through it and not end it all. It's just not, you don't know if it's worth it, but we do know that you can get through it. And on the other end, you can realize that you didn't go through it for you. you. You went through it for someone else who has yet to come, right? The unpredictable, the unknowable, that dragon of chaos becomes a person in your life eventually who then you can help. And as the hero, you can get rid of the chaos, turn their mind into order, and enhance society as you live your life. That's that's the idea anyway. 